You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings. The NFL. Football. Yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. Sage, let's let's grade some stuff. You down to grade some stuff? Love it. Just like a teacher. All stars and A pluses. Okay. Let's start out with the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. We graded him after week one. I remember giving him a solid B. And Sage, I might just stay there with that. I, I might just stay with solid B where he's got some good numbers, and they're set up for a second half of the season where they can go make the playoffs, go win the division. That's what you asked for. He's helped them get through some injuries and tough times, but also he's been responsible for some losses as well. Uh, the Buffalo one specifically with fumbles, probably New Orleans as well with the interception. But uh, I think you've gotten the exact Kirk Cousins that you expected, so I'll go solid B. I'm going to go with a B also, and here's how I look at it. Now, I have uh, two kids who are in high school, and, and when I go and I do their uh, uh, conferences, as I did just, I think, a week or so ago, uh, that you know the teacher gives you all of the test scores and all of the quizzes and all the homework ex- uh, assignments that they have had throughout the quarter so far for this throughout the first half of the season. So when I look at those assignments of Kirk Cousins, I see – a plus, A plus, A plus, and then I just see like a missed assignment. Like what the heck happened there? <laughs> why, why, why wasn't that turned in? And that's like the sack fumble that gets returned for a touchdown or, mm. you know, an interception at the, at the wrong time. He does, he plays very, very well, very, at a very high level regularly. And then all of a sudden has like a, you know, a, a bombed test. So I will, I will give that a, uh, I'll give that a solid B. For the most part, I'm, I'm very happy with the way Cousins has played so far. Uh, he does have his weaknesses. We sort of knew that coming into the season. Uh, and I think that as the season progresses, hopefully the Vikings sort of stick to the game plan. They've had a little bit more the last few weeks, not throwing the ball 50 times uh, and, and putting a little bit less on his plate. And I think that B could move up into the A minus uh, and, and A range. So if you go through a lot of the statistics that go beyond just the fantasy stats, because we know that those can be twisted a little bit by circumstances, things like that. Uh, the pro football focus scores have him at eighth. The QBR, the ESPN invented stat, has him at 12th. I think that those those are about right, that he's been right in that category of not competing with Drew Brees for an MVP, but has been in the sort of mid-pack, and what happens going forward will determine where we ultimately look at this season. I, I guess the question is, Sage, we're always evaluating this. 
did the Vikings make the right move in signing him? And at this point, I don't know how anyone could argue that they didn't. Yeah, I think they made the right move. And, and you know, people can go into the dollars. Is he worth the $28 million? I don't even think about that. You know, it's, you got to spend money to, uh, to get the best players. And he was the best player available. Uh, he's playing very well. Uh, he's playing, I think, better than Case Keenum would have played last year in the same situation, you know, against the opponents that they've played against uh, and being behind in some of these games and having to come back. I think Cousins has uh, exceeded, has, has met the expectations uh, of his contract and, and met the expectations of what Vikings fans were hoping, uh, you know, when he was signed to the big, uh, the big contract. So, yeah, I'm very happy with uh, everything that has gone on so far. Obviously, he can play better, but you, you knew there's going to be some bumps in the road. Not everybody is Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. So the running game, move on to that. The uh, pro football focus grades give the Vikings running game the 27th best grade. And I would agree with that as well, uh, that their running game overall, because it has been absent Delvin Cook and has had explosive runs occasionally with Latavius Murray, but not a consistent effort, especially since uh, their offensive coordinator just doesn't really like to call run plays either late in games. Uh, it, it just, it really hasn't been all that effective, but I, but I do feel like it's improving Sage. So, I mean, w where should we go with this? Like C minus right now with the potential, this is like your kid at the midway point having sort of a bad grade, but a few tests and then they could pass. Yeah. Since we're doing the, uh, the comparisons here. I, yeah, I, I like this. I think it's a C minus. I mean, you can't be happy with it. It's, it's unacceptable. It's not even sort of average or mediocre, uh, or whatever. It also seems like, again, as if, as you, if you look at the, you know, the assignments and the quizzes and the tests, it's like they've only had a few assignments and quizzes and tests so far. They're going to have a lot more the second half of the semester. And mm -hmm. maybe that's the way we need to look at it, uh, is that they haven't, uh, for whatever reason, haven't decided to run the football. They haven't been terrible in their, if you look at their yards per attempt and, and all those things, it's not bad. There's no reason, uh, with their yards per carry why they should be, you know, 27th or whatever it is, uh, in the league in rushing. I think they should be much higher than that. Uh, and I think they just need more opportunities. And some of the reasons, again, you know, you play the Rams, you're going to be in a shootout. They got behind in that game. You play the Packers. They're in that shootout. They were behind in that game. You had to throw the ball a ton in the second half in the fourth quarter. Uh, in particular, early on when, it, when, it, when they were in these battles and our defense wasn't playing nearly as well as we've start, settled into the season. I'm hoping that running game picks up uh, and back into that B range. So I did a little research for you because of something that you mentioned on Monday's podcast about the screen passes that you if it, you were giving a suggestion, it would be to run more. They only ran two against the Lions. I, I went back through every play in search of screen passes. One of them was actually a, a very similar play to what they ran against uh, Tampa Bay last year. And then there was the one where uh, Delvin Cook lines up in the slot. And those were the only two that used running backs in that game. And that is something that uh, has to happen more often. I mean, Pat Shermer had so much success with this. I, I looked it up. Jarek McKinnon averaged seven yards per pass attempt or per, per catch that was thrown behind the line of scrimmage. So like seven free yards for a quarterback where you just you don't even have to throw it very far and you get seven free yards. And I, I had a stat this morning that Kansas City is averaging 10 yards per play that they throw to their running backs. I mean, the, the Vikings have the talent and they can do a lot of these things. They just haven't really done them this year in the screen game. 
Yeah, and I think the thing about screens is, you know, once you get them completed, you get your running backs in space. Uh, and, you know, that's where they were, you know, that that's their specialty when they're in space. They can make guys miss and gain yards and get those big offensive linemen out in front of them. They're, they're high completion, you know, type plays. At the very worst, it's basically an incomplete pass and, and, and you move on to the next play. You don't have to drop back uh, and have your receivers run down the field 10, 15, 20 yards all the time. You know, I, I think when you look back at each game and maybe we should maybe we should analyze this a little bit more as the season progresses here. Let's just say Kirk Cousins throws 35 passes. We should really break down in sort of sections each type of pass he throws. Was that a three-step drop? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was that a, some sort of bootleg action or just a play action uh, when he stays in the pocket, but there was a, fake, a, a legitimate fake to the running back? Uh, was it a screen? You know, what, what are all the plays that they're, that, that they're using? Was it a wide receiver screen versus a running back slash, you know, tight end screen? You know, it'd be nice to break all those down and see, you know, how all that works. And I think when you when you have again, you have let's just say 35 passes, you'd like to have, you know, four or five of these and four or five of these and four or five of these in all those different categories and add them up to 35. You prefer not to have, you know, 30 drop back passes and then just five uh, sort of alternate type of plays, uh, which are really, you know, usually very quarterback friendly. So something that uh, surprised me a little, you mentioned some of the play actions and, and things like that, that Kirk Cousins is nowhere near the top for most used play action. And, and that surprises me because that has not been his past. His past, he's usually toward the top in the play action percentage. Jared Goff runs play action on 38% of his dropbacks. Kirk Cousins on 20%. And, uh, I mean, most quarterbacks are in the 20s somewhere. But there are a lot of guys who are way up, and maybe this is part of Cam Newton's uh, success that's gone on so far this year. Cam Newton, 30%. I don't think it's been that way in the past, and he has 131 rating on play actions. So, you know, Kirk has had a lot of success there before, and I wonder if that should be – But I mean, they have to have a better running game to do this, but I, I think that there should be more play action for Cousins. Oh, I think, you know, big time at screens and play action. And, and of course, it helps to try to run the ball. But people don't realize what play action does, you know, for a quarterback. And I'm not talking about, you know, you're in shotgun and you give a little token fake to a jet sweep or something like that. I'm talking about under center, turning your back to the defense to go and fake the handoff to the running back, sort of whirly burden around into the pocket and, and you know, usually looking deep to short, and and you know what what that stresses uh, with the, the stress that puts on a defense. One, the D linemen, they have to play run first, all right. So they're not just straight up rushing the passer up the field. So they have to play run first. Uh, you know, so you you get an extra like two seconds there of basically pass protection, which isn't straight drop back. The linebackers and the safeties who are down in the box, they also have to play run first. So they're going to step up uh, and fill in those holes. Uh, which then leaves these sort of cavities behind them for wide receivers and tight ends uh, to get to. And you can then take shots down the field because you've got that extra time as a quarterback. You can actually hold it, you know, a lot of times four, five, even six seconds uh, in the pocket sometimes because of that added pass protection. Usually you'll have at least one tight end uh, as part of the pass protection. Um, and you, you don't have five receivers out on play action. You usually actually only have about two and possibly three. Uh, with the running back as your check down. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a very valuable way to to get the quarterback a lot of throws. They're usually actually high completion percentage throws. They're usually pretty good, you know, protection, you know, type throws. And I think it also helps out your running game. 
Uh, it makes those linebackers and defensive linemen sort of second guessing themselves. Is this a run? Is this a pass? Uh, you have to teach it really well uh, from the quarterback to your tailback being a certain depth and how they fake it. But more importantly, probably the way your O-linemen uh, have to block it very, very similar to the run, but also yet sort of be in pass protection mode. So, yeah, I think it's a very valuable tool that the Vikings could use some more. So completion percentage on play action, 76% and 8.8 yards per attempt. So that's up 6% and 1.8 yards per attempt from when he does not use play action. So that you can't. And I think it, and I think it actually could be, you know, even better. We had a, when I was with the Texans one year, and this wasn't play action. It was our bootleg game, our naked bootleg game, mm-hmm. when you're actually rolling out of the pocket after faking to a running back. We averaged per attempt like 10 and a half or 11 mm-hmm. yards per attempt. Yeah. Our per completion, it was like 17 yards of completion. I mean, it was just, uh, it was outstanding. And again, that, but you have to have that running game first or else there's no point in, in having real play action because no one's going to take it take it uh, seriously. Yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me that uh, Kirk Cousins had a quarterback rating of 118 last year when he was running play action. I mean, that's been his history, and that's probably why the most innovative minds are using it the most with uh, the Rams on almost half of their plays. It's almost 40%. So uh, I'd like to see more of that as the Vikings go forward. Um, situations obviously determine that as well. When you are in third and 12, you can't really run play action. So that's part of your third and short theory where you can use it all the time. Um, wide receivers slash tight end. Uh, a minus, I think, is my score because A goes to Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and the minus goes to uh, everyone else. Except Kyle Rudolph has been Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, you know, I, I think the they have the two top receivers get A's, and I think everyone else gets probably you know B's. I guess uh, you know maybe as that third, fourth receiver, maybe not even a B. You know, they haven't been super effective. There have been some mental errors. There were obviously the drops early with Laquan Treadwell and those issues, which does seem like he's resolved and played better the last few weeks. Uh, and the tight ends haven't been a a huge component of the the passing game, the sort of the, you know, the vertical passing game, the drop back stuff as much as we'd both like, I think to have a, a real, and this is no offense to Rudolph, but a real, you know, vertical speedy threat there would be nice to have as your second or even third tight end uh, as a bit of a change up. But obviously Rudy's always great in the red zone. That's his specialty. And so, yeah, I, I like sort of an A minus there, A minus B plus, obviously A's with the top two receivers and then, you know, maybe B's with, with all the other guys and, you know, it, it ends up somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think B might be a little healthy, just considering that they're they're forced to throw to Thielen Diggs so often. I mean, I thought that they did a nice job adjusting against the Lions, but the Lions are also bad. So in a lot of ways, it showed you just what teams will do if either Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen are out and how important those guys are. And, uh, you know, the, it's funny about that. Kyle Rudolph conversation because you know before the season we we were talking a lot about and and he even was too about how DeFilippo comes from Philadelphia so he's gonna you know use the tight end all the time and he used Gary Barnage when he was in Cleveland and it just hasn't really been the case with Kyle Rudolph so far this year but when throwing in his direction you can tell I've got my stats page up here Sage uh 118 rating for Kyle Rudolph went, or for uh, Kirk Cousins when throwing in Kyle Rudolph's direction. So that's another thing that, you know, maybe they could start to scheme a little more. He's completing 82% of his passes when throwing that direction. 
Yeah, I agree with you. You know, a little more Rudy, a little more screens, a little more play action. You know, Rudy's got such a great catch radius. He just usually put the ball his way and, and he comes down with it. And, and he has a, a nice ability to get initial separation. He's not usually a big run after the catch guy, but he does sort of know how to get open. He has a savviness to him. He does, he's not super sudden, but he just, he's sort of like a Jason Witten understands the feel of what defenders are trying to do. And yeah, I'd love to see Rudy, Rudy, uh, you know, get three or four more passes uh, thrown his way each week. One area where I would compliment John D. Filippo is using Rudolph against safeties and corners in the quick passing game to block. I noticed that each week, and I think Rudolph has done a nice job at that, and it's created a number of big plays on those short passes because they, or or even the, uh, the one on the uh, read option by Kirk Cousins, Rudolph was the guy blocking a cornerback back into the end zone. So he's done a nice job using him from that uh, standpoint. The offensive line, Sage, this one's hard because the first half of the semester, uh, yikes, like D minus. But the last couple of weeks, I think much better in part because you have your center back, who is a really good player in Pat Elfline. And I have liked, for the most part, what I've seen out of the rookie Brian O'Neill at right tackle. So I think if I'm giving the grade for what they are now and not what they were in week one with Brett Jones starting, I would probably say a, a C, C plus maybe. Yeah, this is one of those uh, areas of the team where you sort of look at, um, again, we're looking at the grades of like my high school kids and you see there's some absentees early in the semester, you know, what were those absentees? Well, they had, you know, players injured going into the season. It's been, the, you know, a little bit of a mix and match. Uh, you know, every week it seems like there's at least one guy uh, who might be out and, you know, somebody else is filling in. They've moved guys around, you know, from here and there from tackle to guard and guard to tackle and things like that. And and so, uh, yeah, this has been a work in progress. I They have played better as the season has progressed, uh, which is a very good sign. We both agree we wish they could run the ball more. Uh, we think these guys are, are, are more better run blockers than than uh, than, than pass protectors. Uh, they're also great on screens. I think they do a great job of getting out on screens and and knowing who they've got and making those plays. They're athletic guys, and so uh, I think that they uh, they're they're in a position where they're they're improving each week. They're getting better for the most part. I wish they weren't having to deal with so many drop back passes. That's hard for any offensive line, uh, and it's a weakness with this group. So. Uh, Cousins has gotten hit a lot this year. Gotten hit in too many, he's gotten hit too many times. I don't believe it's all the offensive line's fault. I refuse to put it all on them. I think some of that is uh, is play con, and and I, I hope that uh, John D. Filippo can find ways to help these guys help the, help these guys out a little bit. So when I'm watching Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady the other night, um, you know, one thing that they do it seems is sense where the rush is coming from and just adjust their feet a little bit. Is that just a thing that some quarterbacks don't do? Because I rarely see that from Cousins. It's he takes his drop, he sets where he's going to set, and that's kind of it. Like there is no shuffle a couple feet this way, shuffle a couple of feet that way. And I wonder if that's just kind of how he's always played. And some guys have different tendencies when there's a pass rush coming. But uh, I think that's a big difference when I watch some quarterbacks compared to him. Yeah, you know, I think Cousins is actually more the norm. I, I think Rodgers is the the abnormal situation, the way he moves around the pocket. And he moves around different than Tom Brady moves around. Uh, you know, he's sort of, uh, he slides here, he slides there. He doesn't seem to be too concerned about holding on the ball too long or getting sacked or 
or, or anything like that. He almost has like no conscience the way he moves around the pocket. He is not concerned uh, about any failure. He's just looking to, you know, make more plays. And, you know, most quarterbacks aren't wired that way. And, and Cousins isn't wired that way. He's, he's been trained to be, a, I've always said it, he's more of an executor than a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he tries to become a playmaker, uh, that's a lot of times when he gets in trouble and tries to do too much. So uh, I'm fine with the way he is. And, and uh, you know, obviously you, you hope that he would uh, have fewer turnovers when he is holding on to the ball in the pocket. So if we look at the defensive side, I, I wrote about how they've made some adjustments and how the Lions tried similar things schematically as uh, the Vikings got beat on early in the year and those things didn't work quite as well because the Vikings have made some adaptations now with Everson Griffin back I I think it's hard not to give the defensive line like an A or A plus the fact that they were able to make up for Everson Griffin's loss Sheldon Richardson has been for the most part fantastic Daniel Hunter is number one in the NFL in sacks you couldn't really dream of anything better than the Vikings defensive line so far this year. Yeah, you know, but I, I will say this. I think where they need to improve is stopping the run first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what their you know stats are, but it does just seem to me this D-line is giving up uh, or had been giving up some more push than in past years. You know, teams getting some just nice push along the interior. Uh, I think Sheldon Richardson's a really good player. But I think he does get pushed around a little bit in the run game. And when he gets double teams, he's, he's more of an athletic guy and not a hold the point, uh, type of D lineman. And so, you know, that's one area that they could definitely improve on. And I think that then in, in turn helps their, uh, their pass rush, which is, you know, maybe one of the better ones in the league. I mean, even Linville Joseph can rush the passer. All four of those guys are, uh, you know, even some of these backups that are rolling in here, uh, you know, they do an excellent job of rushing the passer. So if they can stop the run better in the second half, man, the, the statistics that they may have as far as quarterback sacks and hurries, uh, they might break some records. Yeah, number one right now with 31 sacks, of course, 10 of them coming in one game against Matthew Stafford, but they all count. So um, yeah, their numbers have just vastly improved over the last number of weeks since the Los Angeles game in every area, giving up fewer points and uh, getting after the quarterback better, all those things, causing more turnovers, 10 turnovers over the last six weeks, I believe, is the stat. The, the linebackers, I think, is a tough one for me, Sage, because uh, I like Anthony Barr, and I think that he's a smart player, and, and, and he can be really effective at times. He can take over a game at times, but he's been out over the last two weeks, and I just haven't seen a whole lot of difference in the defense with him. I, I mean, maybe they can't line up Eric Wilson in as many different places, or offenses don't have to factor for him. But I think it kind of says something about Anthony Barr's overall value when they consider paying him. Well, and this is maybe why they haven't paid him, you know, all that much. And, you know, I saw Gideon in there and, and, and Gideon also, you know, he, you can definitely tell he's more of a, a first and second down guy, a little better against the run, not a great, uh, uh, guy who can cover, you know, man to man and one on one and things like that. So, you know, obviously Anthony Barr's a talent, uh, but, you know, you can't have great players at all the, positions long term you got to sort of pick your uh, pick your poison pick your spots and it seems like to me the Vikings have chosen not to uh, you know have him be a, a long-term answer at that linebacker position for for them but he's such a good athlete uh, you know hopefully he can get back healthy he, I think he is very valuable to this defense and and he seems to have some up and down games and and I think he's actually had a, a fairly good year yeah you know sometimes I notice Ben can really be giddy and after it out there 
Ah. Yeah. With the run game. Ah. No? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was worth a shot. It was worth a shot. Yeah. We're, not, we're not grading puns here. We're just grading uh, football players. <laughs> uh, secondary. Moving on quickly to the secondary. I, I mean, it's it's really been about as up and down as it could be, right? I mean, you know, Xavier Rhodes starts out the season tough. He's kicking flags at one point, and then he's got an injury. But, you know, the depth that they've shown, Holton Hill stepping in and, and playing, Anthony Harris stepping in for Anderson Deho and playing well, Jaron Curse. this is a secondary that hasn't quite played as well as it did last year, but there have been more people who have performed well down the depth chart than they needed last season and i think that that says kind of a lot about how they've developed some of these players over the years yeah this has been sort of a more you know secondary by committee it seems like this year than than past years you know in the past obviously and trey waynes by the way i he's really becoming a really good corner i you know for how much man-to-man he has to play and then also play some of the cover two stuff i think he's become a very good corner Rhodes is not having his best year he's also been injured off and on and He's faced some really tough matchups, which aren't really his style. You know, like like the Rams game, that's a terrible matchup for him. Those guys are faster than him and smaller than him, and he's not. You know, he's he's more built to get get his hands on uh, uh, receivers and be, be physical. Well, those guys, it's hard to be physical with them because they're so fast and speedy. And if you if you make a punch and you miss, uh, you're really screwed, and you're behind a, you're behind the eight ball. So. Uh, yeah, I think the secondary all in general has played very, very well. I, I like the fact that, you know, the way when Curse does come in, it seems like he makes, you know, plays here and there. He's also very good on special teams. And, and even, you know, Mackenzie Alexander seems to make one or two good plays almost every single football game. And, and obviously Mike Hughes being out for the year with the ACL, that hurts because he was playing very, very good football uh, for the Vikings defense. So I, I, you know, I think the secondary's played very well for the most part, even though they've played in these really, you know, high scoring games. I like the adaptation by Zimmer to use Mackenzie Alexander less, un- unlike what he has done with nickel corners in the past, where, you know, Captain Munnerlin would play every single snap for the most part that they were in nickel. And, you know, now that he's using J. Ron Curse in there and, and different packages. So Mackenzie Alexander doesn't have as much pressure on him. So, all right. Uh, before we get to our journeyman recap for the first half of the season, because I want to save the Bears for next week's podcast because they are just amazing. They're they're as good as the Cardinals or the Jets or the Lions, really. Um, give me your win total. Get, do you, where do you think that the Minnesota Vikings end up this season? What, what's what's the overall record right now? Is it five three and one? Five three and one. Gotta love that tie. Five, three, and one. I have them at. Uh, I have them at ten, five, and one on the regular season. That's ten. where I have them. Wow. Okay. I think I would probably put them at nine, only because of the schedule is a little tough. You got Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Tom Brady on the slate, plus the Bears twice. I, I think that's a little bit of a tough draw. But the way that they're playing now, I mean, if you're getting that version of Everson Griffin every week and that version of Delvin Cook, this is this is more like the team that we expected when they broke camp. Well, and I don't think, just so you know, I I, I do think this team gets in the playoffs. I don't think nine, uh, six and one gets them in, right? So I mean, they're going to play some really good football, and then I I just I think that with the new quarterback, the new coordinator, you know, all these these so the ins and outs they've had the first half of the season. Uh, I think they're going to start to sort of settle in here uh, and play better football the second half. 
Okay. Yeah, well, you might be right. I mean, when you look at Atlanta getting hot and Carolina now performing pretty well, that maybe the second spot there ends up going to a wild card, and then uh, it leaves it up between them and, and the Packers and uh, potentially Seattle too. So that's going to be a, a really big game out there in Seattle. Uh, okay, let's take a look at some of the journeymen for this year. We'll just go around the journeyman league. I've got them here. Show some respect. Salute. I've traveled every road in this It's time for Matthew and Sage to honor one of the NFL's great journeyman quarterbacks. Do you count Case Keenum as a journeyman quarterback at this point? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So. But, well, you see, here's the deal. You have to have, you have to have, so we have, what, four teams? You have to play for four teams. So you know he's obviously been played for the Texans and the Rams and the Vikings and the, uh, and the uh, the Broncos now has he played for somebody? I feel like he maybe even played for somebody else somewhere. He also played like multiple times for the Texans and multiple times for the Rams as they like sign him and cut him and sign him back right. and all these things. So I think that he does fit enough of the definition of journeyman that he is a part of the group. So he makes a lot of money this year for a journeyman, but he definitely qualifies. Plus, how about this? This is this solidifies his journeyman status that he played six games for the St. Louis Rams and then 10 games for the Los Angeles Rams back to back years. I mean, I think he's like a journeyman who finally broke through and finally got some respect where most journeymen just don't. And so he's sort of in that category. I mean, he'll, he'll, he's, he's sort of always a part of, part of the fraternity. Uh, but you know, he's the guy that basically he's paying for the golf trip. Basically, <laughs> that's sort of how it, uh, early, at least for the greens fees. All right. Well, case has had a, a very, um, back to earth type of year, 11 touchdowns, 10 picks quarterback rating of 83, which is much more like his rating. And it, as much as I really enjoyed covering case Keenum and watching a magical season from him, I think what he's doing in Denver is pretty much what case Keenum is. As a journeyman quarterback, that he has to have a perfect situation and a lot of things bounce his way in order to have that great year. But it was it was lots of fun, and I'm happy for him that he got the contract. I just think. Well, that- can I can I just can I just say this real quick? And and for those who haven't followed him as much this year, uh, Case is throwing at about a 64% clip, which is good. But he has 10 interceptions, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He has about an 84 quarterback rating um so i think it's one of those situations he's probably playing to more where he is and particularly he's not on a very good football team Mm -hmm. and now they don't have demarius thomas out there uh with the broncos and so he's not on a great team and so he's not playing as well when last year he was on a very good football team and he played outstanding football so uh case is is sort of back to who he is and that's but you're right about that team doesn't have the weapons seems to have kind of a clueless head coach and they aren't really running a lot of the same stuff from the couple times i've watched as pat Trimmer did last year and i don't know why you wouldn't when he had success with a lot of the play action a lot of the screens they don't they don't really do that for him so um but I think that the journeyman of the year so far is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I don't know if it's close. I mean, 108 quarterback rating, but has been benched. Like, that's, I mean, that's just checking off a big <laughs> box. Like, a guy who goes crazy at the beginning of the year and then at some point ends up getting benched. That is the most journeyman thing to do. Uh, Fitzmagic is like the guy who leads the league in, leads the league in home runs. 
but also leads the league in strikeouts. Right. He's sort of like he's sort of that guy. He's only batting about two sixty, but dang it, he's on on pace for sixty two home runs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's magic. I, I'm looking through all the quarterback play uh, this year, and obviously mostly the backup guys and. You know, Fitzmagic obviously is the one that sort of uh, leads the way. Uh, I see Derek Anderson. I don't know. He, I guess he's a journeyman. He's played for yeah, three or four yeah, teams. He's obviously, he's just more of just an old guy. But he's he's had long streaks. I mean, he was in Carolina for a long time, and he was in uh, uh, Cleveland, his first team, uh, for for a while. And he was a starter. He actually went to the Pro Bowl. Or I mean, can can journeymen go to the Pro Bowl in their career? There, there's, Only there's once. an aspect there which may. Which may bring you out of it. No, Blaine I think, I think they can. I think they can. Once. Blaine Gabbert's a journeyman, by the way. He's a journeyman quarterback. Well, he qualifies at this now. Point. I, I would say so. He's been on three or four teams at this point. Um, I, yeah, I would, I would, I would say so. Okay, uh, so here, here's my argument against Blaine Gabbert is that he's never like made anyone ever think he could be the guy, though, right? Like, don't don't you have to have like that that little shining moment of like, yeah, this guy could. He could be our quarterback, and then you're like, okay, he won't be. But well, you at least have to have you at least have to have like a game, a game that blows people away. You know, you you get thrown in there, and you have you know four touchdown passes. Like you do some Fitz Magic stuff in the second half of some game, and then people go like, yeah, but you're still the backup, and you're going to go to the bench, and that's where you go. You got to have that little something special. A little asterisk of like, hey, you remember that game when he was playing versus so and so, and he brought our team back. Right. Love that guy, right? Okay, let's see if Blaine um, Gabbert has that. He, I don't think he has that no, yet, and that's one is that he doesn't have that sort of highlight reel of like, you know, this is why he actually was a uh, a first round draft pick, you know. So Brock Osweiler, by the way, uh, he I think at this point considered journeyman. I mean, he's really bounced all over. Yes, just in the last like three seasons, he's played for like five teams or something like that. So, so when, he's when you get traded because they gave you too much money in a contract that that gets you close. That gets you close. Yes, when somebody when somebody trades you and a second round draft pick <laughs> just to get rid of you, yes. that is pretty cool. Actually, that does not happen very often. By the way, he's have he has a ninety one rating this year, six touchdowns, three picks. Uh, he's having a really uh, pretty dang good season for the Miami Dolphins. I think he's, to be honest with you, if I was uh, uh, Adam Gase, the head coach of the Dolphins, I'd be playing him over Tannehill. Uh, I think Tannehill's not playing very well. And I think uh, Brock Osweiler actually is. So maybe he's found a home down in South Florida. Blaine Gabbard has only one game where he cleared a 100 quarterback rating in his whole career, and it was in a 32-17 loss to Detroit in in 51 starts in today's NFL, he has one game or 47 starts. He has one game with over 100 That's quarterback incredible. when he started. That, that, that is incredible. That is hard to do. Well, it's impressive. It is. It's impressive, and he's still in the league. All right. And good for him. He's probably going to be, be in the league uh, a lot longer is my guess. Just a couple of these other ones that have played. Uh, Cody Kessler is borderlining. If you took over for a bus draft pick at one point because your coach got frustrated, you might be a journeyman. Um, but he's got to be around longer. Matt Schaub got into a football game this year. Did you know that? I did not know that. I wouldn't consider. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Schaub's not a part of the journeyman thing. He started for way yeah, too many years right. in Houston. I, I backed him up for two of them. He started for a whole bunch of years in Houston, made a ton of money. Definitely not part of the journeyman fraternity. You know who's going to be someday, I believe? Who's that? Taysom Hill. Yeah. I think Taysom yeah. Hill is just on his way. 
and it and uh, you could I don't know if you want to call him a quarterback or not, yeah, but just the fact that he plays so many positions. I mean, he's like a tight end. He's like a receiver. He's like a running back. He's like a quarterback. He sort of does it all. He is definitely the Swiss Army knife of uh, quarterbacks. He's not a journeyman yet. He's only been on obviously the Saints. Uh, you know, this uh, these last two seasons, but I can see a player like him. Whenever the Saints Saints decide to be done with him, that somebody else picks him up and likes him for a couple of different things, and somebody else picks him up and like likes him for a couple of things. I can see journeyman in his future. Matt Castle threw six passes. He is a certified journeyman, um, big time, like at the top of the list in the NFL now. Geno Smith on his way. He threw one pass this year. He is on his way. He plays for the Chargers to journeyman status. He needs like one more team. That's all he needs after this. I'm, and I'm going to go ahead and see. Uh, has, I don't think McCown has McCown played at all this year. He up has the New York Jets. Has not it yet. been all the rookie? No, it, not yet. So AJ it McCarron hasn't been a great. It, it has not been a great year. Uh, you know, when I when I got out of the NFL uh, in 2012, there there were like almost no. I got cut during training camp, and there was almost no quarterbacks that got hurt that year until like the very end of the season. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like the next year after I retired, it seemed like five guys were already out by like week five. You know, guys are just going down left and right. We haven't had a ton of major injuries at the like starting quarterback position to have these backups get extended work. So, uh, you know, maybe the second half of the season, we'll see some more action by these backups. You are right about 2013. Chad Henney played for Jacksonville that year. You also had Nick Foles come in for Philly. Um, Jason Campbell started for Cleveland. Josh McCown played. Matt Castle played here in Minnesota. There was a lot of journeymaning. Brandon Whedon played in Cleveland. Kellen Clemens got in for the Rams. That was a great journeyman year. I retired one year too young. Maybe I would have, maybe I would have been signed back by somebody. That would have been, that would have been nice, but it didn't happen. Wow. And Seneca Wallace got in a game that year for Green Bay. That was a, that is an elite year. So anyway. That's right. Um, it, we've got, we've got time. We've got time to recover from the, uh, from the journeyman aspect. And, uh, all right. Well, thanks for all the time as always, Sage. I know this one went as long as the last one. So I'm sorry for that. But, um, there was no swearing on this one. So we did better from that. <laughs> this is true the, but we can swear we no, can swear i found out we can't swear so oh we can't no oh. sorry oh well, well shucksy darn <laughs> all right well let's end it on that and uh never say shucksy darn ever again and we will uh we'll try to do better next week <laughs> we'll talk to y'all then thanks for uh listening to the purple podcast Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.